Canuck Central, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Um, we're in the Kintech studio. It's time for the mailbag. We'll get to it. Uh, your questions for us here every Friday on Canuck Central. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Um, if you missed the first hour of the show, you missed a lot of discussion about Bo Horvat, the trade chatter picking up around Vancouver's captain, and the many teams that are entering the mix to acquire his services, plus Yannick Hansen in his um, always inform must listen to self on Canuck Central every Friday. Spitting fire. Yep. He's more informed than Arsenal right now. It's hard to do. <laughs> Make me spit my coffee out. <laughs> Bring up Arsenal here. Saying good things about Arsenal. I know. It's rare. It's rare. Uh, all right. I'm not a gooner myself, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll remember. Yeah, we got Juve. I got a Juve question coming up. <laughs> it's been a tough day for me, all right? I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to the mailbag. Oh, nice to see uh, the many uh, Seti A fans of of Vancouver getting in on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox to be oh, yeah. like, "That'll show you, Van." <laughs> sure, it's the only way anybody else can get some wins in uh, in Italy is to get Juve down a peg. Ooh. Anyways, oh look at you! That's I mean, what I've been saying. This is uh, Canuck Central, not Seti A Central. So uh, yeah, let's, we'll, uh, we'll start. The, no, we'll start because you brought it up. So Juve's been docked. <laughs> 15 points and yes. people are asking this question because of what uh more cheating and lying and no the books? cheating I, uh, like i don't know they they, they were the charged books. with yeah cooking the books essentially on transfers and, and your your defense of it Which, is hilarious. like at first the charge was thrown out then they appeal it and they're like no okay you know now now we're gonna give you like 15 points like the sporting commission mm. threw out the charge and now they took it to civil court, and civil court's docking <laughs> Juventus 15 points. doesn't make any sense. There's a bunch of other teams that were under question, too, and they threw all of those charges out. How does that... How does this compute? Well, see, one, of the, one of the transfers they made is with Barcelona. You, you're going to go to Spain and dock Barcelona 15 points? No, nobody's doing that. So Dan's uh, defense is, other teams are cheating, too. Yes. This is fine. <laughs> I mean, it's not against the rules. There's no rule that says they couldn't do what they did. So, so Juve is just the uh, the Barry Bonds of the steroid era, where he's the example. Everyone else was doing it. It's not fair. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there's there's a bunch of Inter fans running the Italian government yeah. that are doing this. Okay? Definitely not a homer take. Not at all. <laughs> I'm going to start with the questions. All right. Okay. Jeffro, why did the Canucks hire Boudreaux before hiring Rutherford? If he wasn't Rutherford's guy. Great question. So, honestly, where where this all went wrong was when the team hired Bruce Boudreaux before hiring Jim Rutherford. Now, what has been reported, and you know they've all admitted to it, is that Francesco spoke to Rutherford about Boudreaux, and he gave the blessing to hire Boudreaux. But what Rutherford mentioned was, I thought it was going to be a one-year deal, and then it's a one plus an option. Yep. So when you went out and did the contract yourself before getting your president in, you made a mistake by adding an extra year when you really sh shouldn't have, and you put yourself in this position. So it all kind of starts from that point in terms of this whole Boudreaux situation. So to me, that's where really it all went wrong. And 
if you want to be critical of anything, especially because people keep talking about ownership, are they, you know, running things again as, you know, are they meddling or whatever? And I keep saying it's Rutherford's ship, like it's, it's his ship. But if you want to be overly critical about something with, you know, how this entire situation was handled, yeah, rushing to make the move finally with Jim Benning. Jerseys were on the ice. They were, fi- they were chanting fire Benning and went out and brought somebody in instead of getting the president in first and letting them do the contract and making sure that something like this at least is less likely to happen. It's about doing things backwards. (laughs) And uh, they did it backwards when they hired Boudreaux before the president, ultimately. You know, when I think about how this is all played out, I can't get over that and how it's clear now that Boudreaux was never Rutherford's guy. Or at right. least not his long-term guy. I mean, Certainly not thing, his long-term guy. It's one thing for someone to come in for the final 57 games and then be done. You know, what, what do we call that in uh, in soccer terms? A caretaker? Yes. Do caretaking <laughs> for just in the end of the season. Yeah. Goose hitting for Chelsea back in the day. And caretaker managers, you know, Roberto Di Matteo. You know, he ended up winning a Champions League and <laughs> yeah. became more than just a caretaker. And then they had to bring okay. him back. So what? it's like Boudreaux. It's like, but it, it was like Boudreaux, but without the success. Yeah. With the success, you know, yeah. not actually missing the playoffs. We need like a sounder like, whoa, that's way too much soccer <laughs> yeah. talk. <laughs> but the point being, it's, yes. I, look, I'll say this. Like, you know, a lot of the issues over the last couple of years, you can point to the very top of the organization and see that, and that's essentially where the problems at least root from. And I think this is another one of those. It's obvious at the end of last year, when Boudreaux goes on the run that he did, taking the team to over 100 points, and they're like, you know, we're still not sold. You know, and we'd like to see more structure. It was clear as day then that they wanted to make a change. And they didn't. They didn't want to pay three coaches. So they end up sticking with Boudreaux through this season saying, prove to us that this was more than just a hot streak. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't do that. He couldn't get the team on the right track. But all things being equal, I'm sure, you know, it didn't create the greatest environment to foster success when it just is pretty obvious that your coach is a lame duck and this is ultimately not the guy that is going to be the long-term coach here in Vancouver so there's a lot of different factors here but it all stems from just like Sat said that this not being properly done in the order of things that it needs to be done in Mm -hmm. uh, when uh, this all started last December. William given how Boudreaux was treated by management should the NHL considering consider having a code of conduct on how teams go about dismissing a coach that doesn't allow for public embarrassment? I mean so this entire situation is uneasy, right? Like, it, it's not, it doesn't bode well. But nothing illegal is happening. No. Like, no, no rules are being broken as far as we know in terms of... So, what's happened so far? Mm-hmm. Reports have come out that Boudreaux is going to be replaced. Yes. The team hasn't really denied that. No. But that's what's happened. So, so, what, so what the issue here is, people are saying you should fire the guy. So the solution is, wait, wait, the solution is fire this man. Yes. Pay him out. Get him out. Yeah. But it's firing somebody. Don't let him walk the plank anymore. So should there be a code of conduct saying you should fire somebody if you don't believe in him anymore and want to replace him? Yeah. Again, I'm not saying he's being treated well, but all I'm trying to say is this situation 
isn't a test case that's going to change the code of conduct because what what are, i mean it's so subjective are you going to all of a sudden tell a team okay if you've decided you're going to move on from your coach and you called somebody else to replace them yeah you got to fire your coach because once it gets out there you got to fire the coach like to me that's not a code of conduct thing it's more about a it's 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 more unwritten rule or is it distasteful you know what I, mean? I think that's what it is more than anything but there's nothing in terms of changing the rules or like, how do you prevent the situation from happening? It's Firing somebody? Yeah, it's distasteful. It, it's not, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good on the organization. It doesn't look good on Jim Rutherford. Yes. You know, a guy who's in the Hall of Fame already for his accomplishments as a general manager, as an executive in this league. So nobody likes the way that this is played out. Does it play out this way if the media, the insiders, don't get the intel? Now, as much as anything else, this should be assigned to Jim Rutherford and his staff, his front office. They got to keep a lid on things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and hey, I don't know how you uh, you stop people from like noticing Jim Rutherford randomly in Vegas at the beginning of January when the Canucks are nowhere to be found, yeah. and then people start putting the puzzle pieces together on what might be happening there. But it happened, and now it's a very public situation. But. As much as yes, I was I, I would be on board with like, hey, here's an interim coach. But if it's Mike Yo, who's to say they're not changing the entire staff, right? So like, there's well, a I mean, lot of different things that you could look at, and then all of a sudden, Mike Yo's the guy that's walking the plank instead of Bruce. So I I, I don't know. I don't I, mean, I don't think there's any right answer. It's always an unfortunate reality of how these things play out. I think that's a great point about hey, it can't maybe it can't be Mike Yo because he may not be here and we keep hearing that there yeah. there could be a couple of guys coming with Right. Like there's been a lot of people in. talking about, you know, yeah. that that staff already being assembled. And even Boudreaux, when he first got hired, he came with Scott Walker. Yep. You know, like you, you bring somebody with the guy and that usually means maybe somebody goes or you make space for the other person on the staff. And how does that all kind of unfold? But yeah. So I'm sure there are more questions on the Boudreaux thing, but look, I I get it, and, and, and I do feel for Bruce. It is unfortunate how this is all playing out. And today, you know, the guy is just all heart. He is the most easily-to-like kind of person around in the National Hockey yes. League. That is for sure true. The optics are horrible for Vancouver. The, Tonight, he, I mean, he was he's almost cr- in tears standing in front of hockey talks yeah. in the back. The optics are terrible. But this almost always happens with NHL coaches. Yeah. I've referenced it before. But when Bruce took over the Anaheim Ducks, he had just gotten fired by the Washington Capitals. It was a a handful of days before he showed up in Anaheim. Carlisle won the game that the Anaheim Ducks were playing. And they said, okay, you're out. We're bringing Bruce Boudreaux in. Yeah. (laughs) Three days after he just got cut by the Washington Capitals. And Carlisle won a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. This is an unfortunate reality of the NHL, of head coaching in professional sports. There's always a next guy coming in. For sure. And the only, the, uh, the thing, the biggest criticism I think you can have is how Rutherford in interviews or publicly yes. has, instead of pouring some cold water on things and quelling things, has inflamed things, or mm-hmm. at least not given the out, or at least been, you can say he's being honest for sure, but when that happens, when the president comes out and is given the chance to back the coach and really doesn't, it leads to more and more speculation He's as poured well. gasoline on the fire from, from the beginning of the season, you know, and, and that hasn't helped the situation at all because it's maintained a certain level of speculation around Bruce's future from day one, and again, it's, it's not pretty the way that it is uh, played out. 
But at the same time, let's not pretend that this isn't an unfortunate reality that exists in professional sports. And the Canucks are showing uh, the exact sort of uh, book on how not to do it. Yeah, and I actually think it's completely justified to fire Bruce this year. Completely justified, if that's what you want to do. It's more about how it happens. It's not It's not about the firing. It's how they've handled yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, last one on Bruce. Chef Swagger, uh, do you think Bruce will ever coach in the NHL again once he gets fired? I would say somebody's going to bet on Bruce, uh, maybe as a midseason head coach. Um, he's proven time and time again he could be a guy that turns the ship around when it's going real poorly. But I, I don't know if I um, – I'd never say never, but I think it is less likely that he gets another long-term head coaching gig in this league. I don't think he's going to coach in the NHL again. Hmm. That would be my take of it, and I think one of the reasons why he's so emotional and one of the reasons why I don't think he wants to get, like, he, he's happy to be there for these games is because he, he understands this might be it. Might be his last game. Yeah. Might be his last game, these so, next two. So yeah. I, don't th- I, don't think he, I don't think he feels sorry for himself in terms of still having his job. He may feel sorry for himself over the situation and how everything's unfolded, but I don't think he's eager to not coach in the NHL again because it might be the last time. Yeah. This one from Mark. Are there any players whose play would improve long-term under Tockett? I hope. Lots. <laughs> All of them who are staying. I imagine it was I, Ideally, almost everybody. Um, is it better to phrase it as, Is there? are there certain players, maybe flip it, that perform better in a Boudreaux system than they would under Tockett? I mean, maybe you look at defensemen. Because yeah. if you look at the offensive players, yeah, from a two-way perspective, sure. But most of them are at least producing mm-hmm. outside of, like, you know, Garland. Garland has success with Tuckett in Arizona. He's the obvious one to say, hey, this is a guy coach knows, played yep. well there. He's knows how to gonna, use him. Yeah, and, you know, he'll get back into it. Um, so I know people think that Rick Tuckett's going to come in and he's going to, you know, crack the whip on JT Miller and get him into shape. And make sure JT Miller back checks and does all the things you need to do. I'm not sure necessarily that's the approach with JT. I think he's going to relate to JT. Mm. The type of coach Rick Tockett is and what Rick Tockett played like as a player and just the type of guy he is, I think there are a lot of, there'll be a lot of similarities with him and JT. Interesting. I I don't know. I I don't think he's going to be a guy that's coming necessarily kick JT in the butt. I think it'll be more about inspiring him and getting him on page and being two guys that could end up being. I don't want to go as far as saying kindred spirits as a coach and a player, but I think instead of him coming in as a taskmaster for JT, I think there's going to be more of I can relate to JT, and that's how I get him to be the better player. Uh, I just the biggest thing that this team needs is to play better defensively as a team. It's it's not so much about individual performance right now because mm-hmm. we've seen decent levels of individual performance, and even the other night against Tampa, you can say, oh, they. They had their opportunities. They couldn't score early against Elliott, and then it all came crashing down as that first period went on. Yeah, because you gave Tampa uh, unbelievable chances to score every time they were coming down the ice. Uh, They've got to play better defensively as a team and more of a structure so that they're not just hemorrhaging chances, chance after chance after chance, uh, over and over and over again. It's more about this this team can't be about individual performance anymore. It's got to be about the team. 
Uh, speaking of JT, Dave, is Miller part of the quote-unquote core Rutherford was speaking about? Who else is in that core? Miller would have to be a part of that core. <laughs> By default. Uh, he's here for another seven years on a $56 million ticket after this season is over. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Miller is a part of the core. And that, and that I mean, was always the plan. I like, mean, if he's not part of the core making $8 million. Like, sort of joking aside, pandering <laughs> to the Miller haters, uh, it, they've always felt Miller is a part of the long-term core. That's why they yeah. gave him that contract. So it's it's fairly obvious that he is. So let's go through the players, right? Let, let's start in goal. It's Thatcher Demko, obvious. Mm-hmm. It's Quinn Hughes, probably the only defenseman. OEL by virtue of the money, but not by virtue of, you know, we want to have him in, in the core. Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, JT, Pedersen, six. A- and maybe Brock, depending on how it all unfolds. And, you know, Garland kind of fits in there as well because the money they make, they, they make money as core players. I just don't know if they count as being part of the core. So I think it's it's six guys if you really want to stretch it out. I think those are the guys. The, the biggest thing would be, are, is anybody you know, adding to that core. And by that, I mean Pod Coles and Hoaglander. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right. I don't consider them core players right now because they're not playing with yeah. the team, right? They're not, they're not on the NHL roster. But they're definitely important young players to this team that have potential. And I think Pod Coles in has, I think he's going to end up being a core player eventually, just not there right now. Uh, Paper Moonshine, do you think it's vital that Horvat is moved before Tockett comes in to mitigate a coach bump. So the coach bump thing, let's start there. The Canucks are going to beat the teams that they should beat the majority of the time. Whether they trade Horvat or not, I believe that to be true. And I know the Canucks have a pretty soft schedule through the end of the season. You know, they play Anaheim a bunch of times. They play Arizona a couple times. You know, they've, they've got a soft schedule. And even yeah. going into next week, like Tockett probably starts, or at least I'm sure the Canucks hope he starts with at least a couple of wins against Chicago and Columbus at the very least Do before uh, next Friday. Do they hope for the, for the wins? Uh, maybe they don't hope for the wins, but I, I would assume it's it, it, it's possible he wins two of three if he does end up starting on Monday. Um you're gonna get some wins with the roster you have, even if you trade Horvat, you trade Luke Shen. You uh, push back some of Demko's starts or at least really have a, a, a an innings limit on uh, on Thatcher Demko for the rest of the year. This team's still going to be in and around 500 yeah. for the rest of the season, I would think. Maybe a little, a, a shade under it. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. So it cool. is what it is. Whether they trade Horvat or not, I think it's of of no matter and hey they've had Horvat on the roster all season long they're still they're, pretty good at winning or losing games they're still, they're they're still been it. pretty good at losing games yeah uh fine lumber do you think the Canucks will consider using the Horvat trade to try and move bad money out uh I mean they could but but, but, but I saw somebody ask and of the questions I forget who it was but could you you know throw OEL with it no you can't I mean what is Bo Horvat worth? At best, you're talking on two first-round pick type of value. Yeah. What's the cost of moving five to six million? A first-round pick. What's the cost of moving two, 12 million? Two first-round picks. What's the cost of moving thirty million dollars? Hmm. 
Probably Doesn't. three first-round picks, at least. Unprecedented. We don't know. We haven't seen it, right? <laughs> if you're just moving the money with how he's played. And that's to mention finding the fit somewhere. So no with him is just... You, it's not even enough. It's not even enough to move. Horvat's not enough for you to move OEL. And what team could actually take that on anyways if they yep. had the cap? You know, they don't even have the cap space. So what are we talking about here, potentially? Furland yep. and his contract, which is, expires at the end of the year anyways. That might... Teams... Some teams might actually want that if they can work the LTIR into their favor before the deadline yeah. begins. Is that something that helps them in that regard for right. teams that, that need something, potentially? Um, I, I just, but I don't know if that's like an, a priority. The reason this is a non-starter for me, who is acquiring Bo Horvat? Contenders. How many contenders have cap space to take on a bad contract with Bo Horvat? Well, that's Basically the, none. Yeah, <laughs> A and, lot of them are struggling just to get Horvat. Yeah, right. So, so I think we're, what we're talking about is on the lower end. Are we talking about trying to get rid of Riley Stillman's contract that you can just easily buy out, for instance? Maybe. Tucker Pullman, who's hurt? Mm-hmm. Can you move a guy who's hurt anyways? Depending on what his situation is going to be, do the Canucks get clarity that he's going to be LTIR for the next two, three years, essentially? Like, is, is that going to be it? And at that point, does that contract become something you want to look at moving? I just don't see the fit that makes enough sense for me to explore it. It could happen, but I think it's I don't think it's enough value for if these are the guys you're looking at moving out. Horvat and his trade is such a big part of the retool in yeah. my estimation don't mess with it don't mess with it maximize your return in any which way you can retain salary on horvat to get an extra pick to get an extra prospect if it works like find a way to maximize your return on bo horvat at all costs not diminish the return by adding money or a bad contract to it basketball phil you can pick one to build your team around who do you take john morant or Luka Doncic. Luka. And I love John Moran. John Moran's my favorite Man, you player. Got, you, got a, you got a Grizzlies jersey. I love John Moran. He's my favorite player. A Vancouver player. Grizzlies jersey. Listen, you don't build your hockey team or your basketball teams or your, favorite, or your teams with your favorite players. You pick them. You pick the best players. I'm okay. trying to win here, Dan. And I'm, I'm putting my personal feelings aside. Yeah. I'm Bruce Boudreauxing uh, John Moran. <laughs> yeah, Luka Doncic. Of course it's Luka. No, you know what? Okay, I love Luca. Oh, come on. Yeah, I love Luca. He's on. he's maybe the better player. Maybe the maybe better the player. Better <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe the better player. <laughs> I know Ben's he's the better player, but just hear me out, okay? But you, know, you, know kind, you know what kind of golfer I am? You know oh. the you know the Uh-oh. old cliche? Oh, what you got? Uh, drive for show, putt for dough. Yeah. yeah. I'm drive for show guy. You know? Uh, so so you give me John Morant, man. I want to sell tickets. I want to see a guy flying from the free throw line dunking on people. Do you own a hockey team? I mean, Luca sells tickets too. This yeah. is really if, no if argument. We had a to basketball team here, and it wasn't the Grizzlies. I think a game that people would want to see the most might might be the John Morant game. Like, he is actually so box oh office God. right now. So fun to watch. I love Ja. I, lo- I mean, Ja's fun. Luca so is the obvious choice, though. Hard to, hard to go with Joe. Yeah, mm. it's Luca, man. I mean, see Luca's doing. <laughs> Luca took let down. Dan f- finish this sentence. Yeah. He's, he's averaging thirty-four <laughs> nine and nine. It's insane. You see Luca t- last year in the playoffs took down Phoenix. Yeah, it's insane. With nobody, with no really one, just by him. himself. He's electric. He's, in, he's he's unreal, unreal. Love watching that. Guy I, I tried to make the argument for Ja, but you yeah. can't. And we we were talking about it back here. He doesn't exactly look like he's built like a basketball player either. No, man. 
He doesn't. It's kind of lumpy. No. But, you know, yeah, he is a little bit. <laughs> looks like it at least. Have you seen, like, photos of him you know, downing beers and stuff like that? He's, he's a fun guy. That's why I love it, though, too. But Exactly. But but he's got incredible handle and his his just overall sense and confidence. I mean, he's pretty – he's sneaky quick. Anyways. 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 I can I can wax poetic about John Morant and Luka Doncic all day. All right. Discount Dracula will end with this one. Can you guys each pick your favorite TV character of all time? Ari Gold. <laughs> Great choice. I, I will say though, like, I I would agree. Like he's been on, he was like on my list. I watched some of like there used to be like these uh, Ari Gold supercuts. Yes. And I watched it again. Didn't hit. Didn't hit the same way. Didn't hit the same. No, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, I'm excited to watch mm. this. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, I wonder is, if I were to watch Entourage way. again, if I look, look back and like, wow, Ari, that was real offside. Probably, probably a lot. So maybe not Ari Gold. Um, Michael Scott. Michael Scott's pretty great. Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> Let's go through all the sitcoms. <laughs> Joey Tribbiani. Uh, pr- probably not Joey. No. Um. Now I'm still going with Ari Gold. I'm like trying to go through the Rolodex in my head right now. So, Ari is just—he was so fun. Yeah, as offside as he was. Intern Victor mentioned Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson's Walter White was incredible. Just like the character progression. More than Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, Jesse was incredible, but I thought the progression of Walter White. Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman is terrific. All three of those characters were really strong. Yeah. Man, maybe some recency bias. Tony Soprano. Do you have a Do you have a choice, Josh or Ben? I would probably lean Michael Scott. I've watched a yeah. lot of a uh, New Girl lately. Oh. Mick from New Girl is up there. Schmidt as well. Really? Yeah, it's a good show. I've always been a uh, big Zoe Deschanel fan. Uh, ben. I was gonna say Ari Gold. Ari uh, Gold. Okay. Yeah. I, um. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> you know, I saw a really funny thing um, on on Twitter. It was like, I guess uh, Chris from The Sopranos was was at a was at a at a sporting event, and they showed him. And, and on the on the label, they put White Lotus actor <laughs> or actor in in the White Lotus, and it's like, oh yeah, because this guy's never been in anything else. <laughs> now, it's hard to say. Like all, there's some a lot of wire characters. Yeah, um, for sure. Currently, I, it's hard not. To, I mean, Logan Roy is really good from Succession. Yeah, great character. Mm. He steals every scene. Uh, it's like, Logan, yeah, steals every scene. I just want to say, Michael Imperioli has been. Uh, can, is he now known for just the White Lotus over the Sopranos? I mean, this is crazy. And the only thing I can remember him doing before the White Lotus was Sopranos. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else he's done other than Sopranos before White Lotus. Uh, AK from East Van. Why didn't Dan say Joey Tribbiani with an <laughs> Italian accent? I guess uh, I should. Tribbiani. Uh, Tyler says, New Girl is always slept on. Rivals the best shows. Mm. It does, honestly. You really? I've never watched it. I, I hadn't either. And then my, my fiance was watching it. Probably like two years ago when we first watched it, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually really good." Is it? Okay. It's very much in the same like, it's a sitcom, right. but if you li- if you like it, you'll like it. Nice. Unsigned text. Harvey from Suits. Oh, it's a good not, character. Not a bad character. Not. A, I mean, I found I watched Suits for the first couple of seasons, and it just turned out to be the same episode almost. Like, 
you know, here is something you can't get out of. And here's these guys figuring Michael, out. Michael, go it. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. As exactly. much as I liked Sons of Anarchy, like they, they were kind of the same. Like every episode was like, had the same sort of storyboard. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, all right, uh, the guys on the motorcycles have running some kind of mission and then something bad happens and then they figure it out in the end. And every episode like... has like the word loophole in <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. And then the every season finale was an important character getting killed off. <laughs> yes. You know, one after another. Uh, all right. Uh, Dan Richo, Sad T.R. Shaw. Uh, the Mailbag every Friday here on Canuck Central.